Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paul Hawksby. This is Perry Groves. Yes, and we got together this afternoon um, and had a bit of a chat. I think that's what we covered a lot of ground, didn't we? From players you used to wind up and players that used to wind you up um, to the World Cup, to everything. Yeah, we had a um, little bit of horse racing. We did, yeah, yeah. Yes. We, we, a bit of golf. We did. Father and son. That's true. We did cover an awful lot of ground today. So, look, this is, this is the best of it. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Perry. Afternoon, Paul. How are you? Good, thank you. Yes, yeah, good. The, the Argentina parade. Um, well, I th- I'm not sure it's going to be a parade. Looking at the centre of the the main square where the obelisk is, we've seen a lot of it last couple of days. There's no way a bus can get around the streets today because every street feeding into that square is absolutely packed. They've got a webcam on it and it's rammed. So I take it they're going to do a sort of big balcony. Yeah, thing it'll be a, it'll be a, a balcony. Address. Yeah, yeah without shadow out and. We, you saw the route, was it when they f- flew in? Yeah, like three in the morning when they flew in. There was loads of people on the streets then. And also, uh, our old mate Tancredi Palmieri, Italian football journalist, just sent out a video showing Perry of uh, a number of the players, Messi, Di Maria, De Paul and Paredes, sitting on the back of this open-top bus, waving away, not noticing that there's a high-voltage cable heading for them. It's, it's not just limboed <laughs> under it. It's no exaggeration. They were nearly decapitated. There's yeah. five of them. Because oh, no. one of them must have gone, look out. Yeah, and they've I both, mean, all five of them have gone at the same time. So I don't think the bus driver actually sort of um, <laughs> did any research into his route, did he? I'll tell you, often safety's gone out the window, but it's an open-top bus, so there was no window. So uh, it was it was something else. So we'll keep an eye on that parade, um, well, or event, when it happens in the centre of Buenos Aires. It does make you wonder. I mean, look, we all saw when England got to that um, semi-final in Italia 90, that people turned up at Luton, didn't they? Remember Gazza in the old sort of comedy top? And, you know, there were there was stuff going on. Fans were there. They got a parade. But I wonder, would it, would it be like that if England won the World Cup? Would it, I suppose it would yeah, be. Yeah, I think if you're like Trafalgar Square, or it, it'll be absolutely mobbed. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, there, will we ever see many. it? I wonder. No. <laughs> not, not with Mr Southgate in charge. We, we both had the same thought today. With England won the, the cricket, and we've kind of touched on this, but I'm interested to get your thoughts on it, that that you wonder if you could take what uh, Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes have done with Test cricket into other sports. I mean, it, we said with, we know about Basball. What about Gasball? What about Gareth Southgate having this attitude saying, we will never draw games, which is when all you need is a draw in the last group match is a difficult thing to do. But you do get this sense that, I mean, it, it, this incredibly bold way of playing, going out all the way, even yesterday, um, Rian Ahmed saying that he was told to go in and just try and win it, try and win it today. Because he was on a high, wasn't he? Yeah, because he got yeah, his yeah. five wickets and he thinks, oh, what I'll do, I'll just have a little relax and I'll chill on what's then. And uh, Brendan McCullum says, no, no, you're going in three. 
because he knows that he's on that wave of emotions and hit his first ball for four, didn't he? Yeah. He's out for ten in the end. But yeah, a couple of very good shots. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think what it is, um, with Brendan McClellan and Ben Stokes, obviously there's a zeitgeist moment there where two minds have met and they've yeah. got exactly the same idea on how they want to play the sport that they're in. And you think the turnaround from... I don't think it's exaggeration to say that probably England were one of the worst test teams mm. in the world. And they've won eight out of the last nine. Obviously, the whitewash in Pakistan never, ever been done before. No. And you have to have a talented group of players first. So Brendan McCombs just can't go in and do that with any group of players. You know, So you have to read the room and think, are these players talented enough to implement the way that I would like them to play, my philosophy? Mm. And obviously, they are. And then it's about... Your man management skills, the way you, you talk to them, and the way you uh, read the room, the way you read the situation. And I think what it's taken away the fear. I think all sports would yeah. say that you do have fear. People get nervous, you know, because you're even in games you get a little bit nervous or you think about the ramifications of stuff. I remember Dave Seaman saying that when Ronald Dino scored the free kick, you know, they say goalkeeper's supposed to put that out of your mind, you make a mistake. Mm. He said he could not get that out of his mind. He no. could not, because he's worried about the reaction from the press, you know, when they get back in yeah. at the airport, whatever. I think we but, saw that in that England Iceland game in the Euros. They froze. Don't you think they, they just they could see the back page of the tabloids had it was in their head? Eleven yeah. nervous breakdowns yeah. on a football pitch. Yeah. Roy Hodgson and Gary Neville had nervous breakdowns on the touchline. Mm. So there's no clarity of thought. The top level coaches and a lot of them try and make it, I think, more scientific than what it really is. You know, and, and philosophizing and going into analytics, analyzing and all that. Yeah. You have to know the character of your players. Are they good enough to implement what you want to do? Give them that and take away the fear. And what they will say to them is, when they're attacking and they're on top, they go for the throat. When they're on the back foot and they're defending, they think, no, no, we've got to go. If we're going to lose, we're yeah. going to lose being positive and going on the front foot. Yeah. So that's their... And they know full well that a percentage of times it isn't going to come off. You can't, you know, keep of course, yeah, pulling. Uh, and they've uh, said that. All right, they both said that. What yeah, they, yeah. what the players then realise is, there ain't going to be any deep uh, no. thought ramifications and going into it and cyclones and going. Well, you should have played this. Should have played. It's like, okay, you've tried to do what I asked you to do. This time it hasn't worked, but trust me, seven, eight times out of ten, it's going to work. Yeah. And uh, I say the the attitude that Brendan McCombs has gone in. You can I know, call it Basball. With Gareth Southgate, he's not that type of character no anyway he's very cautious isn't he by nature the team has improved don't get me wrong because when um you go behind against france when we went behind against croatia and the previous semi-final um we froze we yeah. didn't know what to do. but in the france quarterfinal we didn't we actually did take control of the game mm. but then the outside take guns go right hurricane scores a penalty we're on top now we're going to go for it now brendan mccullum's attitude would be in a similar situation in cricket right let's go now you know, if we're sort of, I don't know, uh, 300 for four and we've got 20 overs to go, let's try and make that 450, yeah. 500 for six. You know, whereas before does it, people... But does it transfer... It this is the thing we were, we're talking about. Does it transfer to football? Can you have that same mentality in football saying, look, whatever happens, this game is not going to be a draw. We're going to win it or we're going to lose it and we're going to go out butching Sundance, guns blazing. Yeah, but I think sometimes, obviously, you might need a draw. Yeah. to get where you want to go. <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah. that, But that changes with your in-game management yeah. and you've got to have a... And cricket is different as a sport, as you, you were making the point. It's a kind of individual sport within, within a team. Within a team, yes, sport, because yeah. one of your batsmen go in, you say, I want you to go and attack. And yeah. he gets out for four or five. You can say to your next batsman, actually, no, we're still going to go and attack. 
you could do that two or three times and hope one comes off. So, again, it's uh, different situations, but it's still the mentality that and the positivity that you give to your players. Yeah. And uh, the England uh, performances, I think sometimes we start off on the football side a little bit too slow, it's a little bit cautious, where, you know, we just ease away into the game, where I think we could be more uh, dominant and, and go for it. And then when we're in the ascendancy, that's when I think you've got to be brave enough and go, right, yeah. we've got the opponents here. Well, maybe we've, sort of, we've seen a kind of semi gasball We've seen a kind of development of the way England play and getting on the front foot. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Andy's mate who we spoke to on Friday was looking to get a ticket for the game. He didn't follow that up on on Monday. He did get a ticket, Ernan, who we spoke to, and he did go to the final. He's back in he's back in Argentina now. He sent Andy some videos, about five or six, and you can only imagine the A&E departments around Buenos Aires are absolutely packed. It's Argentinians celebrating and, you know, coming, falling through bus shelters. I've just shown them to you. Bloke falling out the back of a truck that has to suddenly put the brakes. Delirious. And then just totaling themselves. We saw balconies, balconies. falling apart. And I, you can tell people obviously getting carried away themselves. There's obviously a little bit of uh, alcohol that's obviously flying about yeah. as well, which is understandable. But some of them, like the bus shelter one, yeah. where you just think, well, it's Perspex which you're jumping up and down and there's on. there's 10 of you jumping there's up and down. That is go- I mean, I'm no construction expert, <laughs> but that is going to go. Yeah. And they just go straight the way through it. The balcony as well, you just think, you know, some of the standards maybe that they're probably built to in certain areas are not up to the highest. And you just think, there's 35 of you on a balcony that's been built for probably, what, four people, yeah. five people. <laughs> and they're and, all constantly and, and jumping, jumping up, up and down. down. You, yeah. need, you need a foreman there, didn't you, with a high vis guy, lads, lads. <laughs> you can stand on there, and, and, but wow. let's not jump about. Well, you, know I mean? you can only imagine what it's uh, going to be like uh, during this parade, so blimey. Anyway, a um, couple of things. We did ask you earlier on because uh, Lautaro Martinez took to the plane back to Buenos Aires from the World Cup with uh, cymbals and a drum. He was going to be the musical accompaniment for all the songs they were singing, but we're saying after about 15 minutes of that, uh, you would have had, all right, that will do. You definitely would have had enough. Uh, we were asking about the worst person you ever sat next to. Um, AKA says, uh, I went to watch Hamilton, the one musical in the West End, and sat next to this couple who sang along, which is okay. Only problem was they were murdering the words loudly, both of them. <laughs> I swear they wrote their own lyrics on the way in. And there's a lot of lyrics in Hamilton, aren't there? So, I mean, uh, yeah. That's what about if they were doing it on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> Getting all the worms wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, Andy Jacobs left halfway through uh, Hamilton. He, uh, his wife wanted to go, so he went with her and uh, wasn't for him. So wasn't left, happening for him. Left in the interval, sat around the corner. I no, think. and Andy probably asked for a nurse, refund as well. Nursing he? a pint doing what, the crossword. Half my money back. <laughs> yeah, he just, he said it was, he said it was basically all singing. Then he does his Hamilton impression, which I won't bore you with now. God, you know what? That's really unusual going to musical, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he, was, he seemed quite shocked. Yeah, a few years ago, I flew to Sophia, says Andrew, in Batley. I uh, spent uh, close to three hours sat next to a gentleman who snored while awake. He said, I thought it was okay, it's only one flight. Just my luck, I ended up sat next to the same man on the flight home, and then the journey back from Liverpool Airport to Leeds. <laughs> Blimey, that's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, it's snoring strange. while awake. Says yeah, Andrew. with your sort of eyes slit I suppose aren't they and yeah, then your yeah, mouth yeah. open that's not good I went to a Frank Skinner <clears throat> um, show and yeah. he, was, he was brilliant he's obviously very funny like a big fan of Frank Yeah. but I had a fella sat next to me who laughed at everything that he said Right. so we you know when, he, when he's so he's done a story done a joke and then he's having like the build up to him say well actually what it was I was walking down the road and he goes what <laughs> 
walking down the road <laughs> and you think, no, mate, that's not funny. <laughs> and how much are you going to laugh when he actually tells you the punchline? Do you know what yeah. I mean? But it was just uh, inane laughter for about an hour and you just think, no. Because I was listening to like Frank. It like a bit hysterical. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, listening yeah, to Frank, yeah. but then the geese was getting on my nerves so much <laughs> that you missed half of what the jokes are. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mate... Did yeah, you have a word or did you let it ride? No, I let it... I, I think I'd... Um, <clears throat> I think I'd only had two pre-show pints, right, so okay. I think that that calmed me down. That's a your bit. leveler, is it? Yeah, I think if it was if I'd have been a night four or five, I'd have that been... would be that would be your darts leveler. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I spoke to a well-known uh, darts player once, and he knew that um, three glasses of white wine was the point where it was his sweet spot. So they talk about darts players; they don't drink. They don't drink when they're on stage, right. but backstage, some of them would say, "Yeah." Two, if I if I don't have two pints, I'm not quite on it. If I have more than two pints before the game, I can't. This is top level. Like that's part of their world rider. championship play. That's, that's part of their warm up. You know when yeah. you see the, like, the footballers come and warm up, don't you? Yeah. They do the sort of um, high intensity sprints. That is part of a darts warm up. I've, I've been backstage enough, yeah. and I couldn't believe that they were having a couple of pints because I think <laughs> oh, you've got no. in a minute. But it's, it, that gets them. Re- I think it's relaxed yeah. as well, doesn't it? Just gets them nice and relaxed. And you think a lot of it has come from sort of playing in pubs and playing exhibitions it's and then thinking yeah. they, they think. They think of themselves. Well, that's this is where I'm at my best. That's that's the perfect thing for me. Bill Werbenick, the old snooker player, slightly I think different. He was 17. 33, wasn't he? Yeah. 33 pints. Oh, 33. Yeah, pints. and going all the way through, yeah. like all the way through every frame. Because in the, the old days, you could drink. That was you? to calm his nerves. Yeah. Wow, that bit calm my nerves. <laughs> Blimey, what a thought. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Your old mate Tony Adams. Strictly's Tony Adams. Strictly's Tony Adams. Yes, it's not you. Arsenal's Tony Adams. Yep. Strictly's Tony Adams uh, has been writing uh, columns uh, on uh, the World Cup and he said some interesting stuff along the way. One of them the other day was um, he, he was talking about getting into players' faces a little bit more and trying to uh, trying to unsettle them. He said if he was ever playing against Messi in a match, he'd go up to him and say, I'm going to get you I don't know if that what would translate well, Yeah, possibly. Maybe his face, his facial expressions might give him away. He'd probably get a care. He said, <laughs> um, he said, I would dig him in the ribs and pull his shirt and get on his nerves. That would have been Tony's approach. He's writing today about England, saying that he's, you know, he's pleased Gareth is is staying on, etc. But he would like England to be a bit nastier. He says he would like them to be a nastier team. The headline is, why is he up? Three lines need to be a bit more like Dennis. And uh, he talks about uh, a kind of more snarling approach, the sort of player that Dennis was. Um, You've got experience of Dennis. Oh, everyone loves playing against Dennis because um, top player, which he was, obviously coming from Wimbledon, but real top quality player. But he had that um, housery that was talking about before Mm. because what he would do, and uh, what Tony's saying there, Again, there's different generations. You might have been able to do that maybe 80s, 90s, yeah. early 2000s. You wouldn't be able to do that extreme what he's saying now because the game's no. changed completely, right? So you, you've got to have clever ways of doing it. But with Dennis Wise, he would uh, two-foot tackle you yeah? and mm. uh, try and break both your kneecaps. <laughs> and then you would, uh, you'd you'd be on the floor. You wouldn't roll around because you wouldn't mm. show that you're hurt. And what he would do is, the old school thing is, you put your hands up to referee and go, sorry, 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 ref. And you go over to the players on the floor and you <clears> rub <throat> his head <throat> and go, sorry about that, mate. And you go to pick him up. And as he come to pick you up, yeah. he'd get you right under the fatty bit under your arm. Pinch And it. just pinch you as oh. hard as he could. Now that used to wind you up more than the two-footed tackle. Because the two-footed tackle, you think, oh yeah, that's, sort of part of the game you know it's coming you know what players are going to do it you know that's it's a physical game that 
skullduggery and that yeah. housery is like you sneaky little <laughs> and that's what you turn you over the top that's what yeah. you then you just have a reaction and go a referee I can't believe that sorry mate <laughs> and then you knew he'd do it again <clears throat> and again <clears throat> and it still had the same reaction so I know what he, he means by being I think it's more streetwise than you know saying you know that sort of housery stuff yeah. and um, I agree with him on a certain extent because you don't want to this is a a, a nice bunch of England players. Everyone yeah. knows how humble they are. They're all together. You know, there's no big time charts, no flash sort of Herberts there. But you still need to have that nasty... We talked about Martinez earlier. Yeah. That little bit of sort of nastiness. And one there isn't trophy, anybody in the team at the moment like that, is there? Particularly... No, you wouldn't. Of. No, I, I, do you know what? <clears> I, <throat> I think Jude Bellingham maybe could right. have that... Get a bit of a streak. Yeah, yeah, I think he could because obviously he's a young player. He's, yeah. he's, but I think he's got that mentality, you know, where he will go to the nth degree. Um, and did we win the fair play trophy? We did, yeah, yeah. We've... That is the worst trophy you could ever win in a team sport <laughs> or individual sport. That's right. oh, well played. It's like lucky losers, isn't it? It's like oh, well played. Thanks, coming. You've you've conducted yourself in a really nice way. So you'd be chucking as soon as I gave it to you, you'd chuck it in the bin. Yeah, a bit. Well, used to play obviously like Sunday football yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And there was always end of season awards, you know, when you're under 10s, 11, 12, 13, 14, you had players player of the year, managers player of the year, then you supports player of the year. Yeah. And there was always clubman of the year yeah. or sportsman of the year, which basically meant you're not very good and thanks for keep turning up every Sunday <laughs> and you've been sub and got <clears throat> 10 minutes here and there. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, yeah. I sort of get what Tony means, but you, you, there's different ways. You know, you can't have that much mm. housery in the modern game. Your pass caught up with you a little bit earlier on because the boss... And wandered over. He's a West Ham fan, and he found an old picture that had come up on his uh, timeline, and there it was. It was you playing against West Ham at uh, Upton Park, and it was um, Julian Dix. Oh, what a, a joy! You're having a bit of a fallout with uh, Julian, and I, I saw you play. I don't think it was the same game, but I saw you play there, and they were getting into you in that match. But um, you had a few runouts with him. Yeah, but you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Like the different fullbacks <clears throat> you used to play. Like obviously, Talksport Stuart Pearce. Yeah, he didn't say anything to you. Yeah. you knew that he was going to decapitate. I've heard that. Um, Pat Nevin told me the same thing about Stuart. Never spoke to you. Not Hard a word. but fair. He would, ne- he would not. He just put in a big tackle. He had the, never spoke yeah, to you during the match. He had the Norman Bates psycho eyes because yeah. he knew he, he wanted basically yeah. to maim you. He knew that was going to happen. He should pull his shorts up as high as he could. Then he'd sharpen his elbows, put the bass in the elbow and <laughs> just decapitate you basically. And you'd end up in row C or D. Yeah. You know what I mean? You think, and then he just... But no like, verbals. None Nothing, of that I'm no, going to get you in the Tony Adams yeah. That's more unnerving. Yeah. Because... With Julian Dix, he would tell you what he's going to do to you. He yeah. would be on the halfway line where it meets the touchline mm. and bounce the ball and say, oh, you ginger, when you're going to warm up. Come in near me, I'll break your left leg. Do it again, I'll break yeah. your right leg. I'll do one. He's like, all the verbals. And to be fair to him, he tried to, now, like on, <laughs> on a regular basis. <laughs> so you knew what was coming. Mm. And mm. that particular game, there's an urban myth going around um, that I asked to get substituted, which 100% I didn't. Right, uh, Brian... Um, I think it's Brian Hill was the referee. Yeah. And I said after about an hour, are you going to get him off? Like in not so uncertain terms. He's going to mm. ruin my career. He's going to break my legs here. You're supposed to be protecting me. And he went, why don't you swap wings with Martin A's for five minutes? <laughs> why don't you swap wings? Yeah, just to, he said, he looked at me and he went, mm. you know, mm. we were at Upton Park. He said, I can't send, send Julian Dix off here because it'll be a riot. I said, that's <laughs> not my problem, Brian. <laughs> so I got the hook. I got substituted. Oh. Off you go. 
You did love a wine. I remember going to see one of these indoor uh, kind of five or so. Oh, no, Mark Simpson. Is it Mark Simpson? No, it Simpson? wasn't. No? It was Clive Allen. Oh, right, of, okay. One of the loveliest men you could ever meet. Yeah. Maybe not like that on a football field, but certainly off it. And you were winding Clive up to the point where he was like chasing you around this indoor arena. Yeah, I'd had a, a Mark Simpson, <laughs> Simpson as well. He like, yeah. wanted to. You weren't always the victim, Perry, in this, were no, you? No, no, but the thing is, yeah. even in that would have been in mm. the. Um, the veterans, like yeah, six was, aside, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but the fact old. that you're all that much older and you were still winding them up, yeah. Because what happens is you <clears> you've got this will to win, especially against your like nemesis, yeah. your local rivals, yeah, right? Of course. And then your brain forgets that your body is like <laughs> fifty, and you yeah. think you can still do the same things, and you think even giving verbals out, you think you can still ride tackles and jump over and run away, and you think. Actually, no, I can't run away anymore. <laughs> it's not. It's not happening. So that that doesn't leave you. As you said, Clive is one of the nicest people. Yeah. And but he would. He would. You. You've, everybody's got a point. Yeah. Where, where you lose it completely. So especially say when you're playing a local derby, that go, rules go out the window. Yeah. So um, we are asking you this afternoon: worst person you ever sat next to, um, whether it's a theatre, public transport, whatever it is. Lautaro Martinez, as we've said, flying all the way from Qatar two Buenos Aires with cymbals and a drum on the plane uh, to accompany the boys as they uh, they write new songs, new uh, verses for uh, their uh, post-World Cup winning songs. Um, you've been telling us, I used to get a commuter coach home from work, said Steve. One day I was the first passenger on it. At the next stop, an old bloke got on and sat next to me, completely <laughs> empty coach. So basically that's the worst person who ever sat next to you. Why would anyone do that? I got up a move seat, said Steve. It would be quite intimidating that one, a completely empty coach. Yeah, but you would look at the person and just think, uh, is it me who's being a bit weird here or is it you? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you think, well, go and sit somewhere else. Go and right at the other yeah. end of the train. I mean, there is an etiquette to that, isn't yeah. there? But yeah. Alan Especially T- if he's taking up your space with your legs as well. That's he's a spreader. <laughs> a whole coach. You would be slightly troubled. You get inside. <laughs> yeah. That's the way for Tony Adams to get inside Lionel Messi's head. When he's on a bus or a train, empty carriage, go and sit next to him. All right. Never mind, I'm going to get you. Robin Winchester says, Alan Titchmarsh sat behind me filming the whole game at the Fratton end at Pompey. Total nightmare. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. For those uh, players, I mean, Rupert was talking earlier on about Emmy Martinez and, and Tottenham have got Christian Romero eventually coming back, I'm sure. Um, I wonder what the mindset is when you've won a World Cup and you've and then you've... What would yours be if you'd won the World Cup, Perry? Uh, I'd have a calf muscle injury or I'd have a hamstring injury <laughs> or a back... The back's what you can't prove. You go, well, my back's struggling a bit. Really? Yeah, because in, if you've won... Especially if you've won... Like the World Cup, right? Which is a once in a probably generation thing. Yeah. Like we're talking about <clears throat> Lionel Messi, right? And I always said, you know, when people say don't get too carried away with, you know, the successes and don't get too down with the failures. You know, yeah. just between. Mm. I'm not with that. I'm with the successes. You kick the backside of it as much as you can because you mm. don't get many successes. So I think maybe it says more about my mentality than, than the top flight sportsman. But I think if I'd have won it, I'd have made sure I'd have had an excuse not to definitely play on the Boxing Day game. Yeah, or the I don't Christmas think one. they'll be expected to. No, maybe. exactly. You think but maybe I'd, for the week after. The yeah, New but I'd take that out of the equation where even if they thought that they might, uh, <laughs> how you know how are you feeling psychologically, yeah. how are you feeling physically, I'd be like, oh, I'm not being funny. I've got a bit of a like sore calf, <laughs> and then depending how I was feeling, maybe I think the FA Cup's the first week in January, isn't it? Yeah, when it comes in. It might be. I might even. Give that a swerve. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> just to go now. I'll give myself time to, you know, sort of yeah. climatize and get my mind right because it's. We talked about it off airport. Pep Guardiola said, "No one. This is uncharted." Yeah, I think absolutely. David Moyes mentioned it there. Yeah. No one's been in this situation before. How the players can come back psychologically and physically, like um, McAllister, obviously going to Brighton. Yeah, and his attitude will be. It won't obviously play for Brighton, and but then it could go the other way, and you. He could go on another level. You know what yeah. I mean? Think, right, I'm a World Cup winner. You know, his belief in himself and his confidence. You see, like a, and he's been brilliant for Brighton this season as well, mm, actually. Yeah. I mean, like I've seen him a couple of times. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be very difficult. I think from um, Mikel Arteta's point of view, with Mikel Sacco, I was thinking about this the other day. Mm. I think he would, for him, and he never, I don't think he'd ever admit it publicly, but I think you'd rather that your player went out in the quarterfinal yeah. to give him more time to adjust coming back and mm. not being injured yeah. then get beat in the World Cup final because who knows how long you know if England got to the World Cup final and got beat how long that's going to take your player psychologically and mentally to get yourself back up again yeah. so there's all these different nuances and you know Taka look at the difference really from Taka and Kane I mean Kane is a strong character but he's coming back and we missed that pen which is clearly upset him I'm sure he'll shrug it off but Saka's come back with his reputation enhanced. He was our best player against France. He was so much better in this tournament. He's grown up. He's two years older than he was in that Euros, and he was great in that. Yeah. So he's come back, uh, I think in many people's eyes, a, a, a much better player than, than he was. Well, if it was um, a player that maybe Harry Kane could have a little chat with about, yeah. you know, missing, obviously, a big penalty. Bukayo Saka, obviously, missing in um, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Euros. And it took him a while, you know, to but get they himself had, back they had, they had about a month off, you know. Yeah. These blokes have got a week. But even then, it still that still stays with you. That still stayed yeah. with you. Um, you would think about that every day, you know, and, it, and it's 
sort of getting yourself over that, you know, psychological barrier. And with Harry Kane, he is a very, very strong character. I just hope, I don't know, I just hope there's not a negative backlash when Harry Kane is playing uh, away from home. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I just hope that, you know, the away well, fans... I don't think they did that to... I mean, that's an awful abuse, and I think the fans w- weren't having that either. So when, when Rashford and Saka played, uh, I mean, when Tottenham fans applauded Pekao Saka on, onto the field because it was a show of solidarity. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a slightly different set of circumstances, and they will seek to get an advantage, but I think I think Kane can take it. He gets booed quite a lot anyway. He's, he's kind of used to it. You know, the Pan- he's villain. Yeah, but yeah. then, but that's... That, if he did, don't you think that takes on a different connotation? Do you know what I mean? Because um, of missing a penalty for your country. And yeah. so I just hope that, that it does. everybody does come together. And obviously, I'm no, by no means no, a fan of Spurs. Or yeah. fan of, but on a human level, I hope that football does come together and there isn't any adverse reaction towards Harry no. Kane at all. Do you know what I mean? Because no one has ever been in that position before. You know what he's going through, so yeah. I don't think that should be compounded, you know, by him getting stick when he's playing in games, especially away from home. No chance. There was another story today talking of Messi, as we have been a lot recently. James Milner was uh, telling Ben Foster in his podcast, apparently, that um, that he played against Messi for Liverpool and um, had a really good game against him. Uh, that was the uh, Champions League semi-final. I had a good game against him, and at one point, Messi called him a donkey. <laughs> He said the translation was donkey yeah. and kicking like a donkey. Kicking well, like it? a donkey. Maybe he was having a go at the fact he was kicking like a donkey as opposed to playing like a donkey. But he said, uh, he said, you know, he can say what he wants. It turned out well for us in the second leg. But I just wondered, do you ever play against anybody you was in awe of? Was there a, you ever play against a player that you loved and, and you wanted him to like you? Um, playing against uh, a player. Um, or was there I, somebody you wanted to impress? Well, no, I must admit, again... Um, when I was watching Match Today as a kid, mm. um, my favourite player was Liam Brady. Right. And um, he came back from Italy and he trained with us. And we played in a five-a-side at, uh, at the end of the week and he was yeah. in my team. And I'm thinking, oh, God, if I have a bad touch here and give the ball away, I don't be letting Liam Brady down. <laughs> and we, our team won the five-a-side and he actually said twice in the five-a-side, well played. Oh, that was and, enough. And I, so I phoned my dad up. I phoned my dad up. I said, <laughs> you know, Chippy, because he, he called him Chippy as well, right? Yeah. And everybody thinks it's because he, like, could chip the ball. It wasn't because he loved chips, basically. just fish and chips. That's why he's right. And um, I said, Dad, I just played a five-side with Liam Brady. And he went, you're joking, boy. And even he was impressed. He wasn't yeah. pressing anything else we'd done. You know? He said, well, played a couple of times. He said, what about the other ten times you had the ball? <laughs> So um, yeah, I was, I was, yeah, Liam Brady. I that was, was the one, but yeah. not in games. You can't think of any that playing against Glenn Hoddle. Oh right, in a semi-final at Highbury um, in the Littles Cup in '87. Yeah, I remember that. And they had sadly, um, yeah, but they had obviously it was Hoddle, Wardle, Ardiles, Nico Klassen, yeah. Graham Roberts, the Allen brothers, which were top side. And at the beginning of that season, I was playing for Colts United against Exeter in front of. 1400 yeah and then that was i think the february it had been yeah february december mm. at, and there was 52000 at highbury you yeah. know and i'm running out and i'm a gooner running and on the pit, same pitch as like glenn hoddle and i was um a fan even though he's played for the enemy just the way that he played in that era yeah. you know what i mean where you get booted everywhere and it was physical for him to stand out and have that culture and um play the way that he did that was an i saw that um yeah, it was a bit of an honor. I was in awe of him when I was playing against him. Yeah. So I booted him a couple of times. That's what you have to do. But yeah, but it's just you have to 
savor the moments when you're playing against these players. You know what yeah, I mean? You yeah, think, yeah. wow, remember where you've come from and, you know, you're playing on the same pitch as these. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon show. Andy returns uh, tomorrow. Charlie be with me on Thursday. Lovely to see you again, Perry. Very much enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I'm going to go back in my Winnebago now. I, oh, just, I just drive around like, London Bridge just waiting for the call. Just waiting for yeah, the call. Yeah, Charlie and Andy can't make it. Waiting for the bat phone. Yeah. And then you, uh, then you pop in. Brilliant. Well, you're, you're big bat. I want you uh, regularly on the Sunday Sundays. Sunday sessions, yes. Yeah. When the um, Premier League obviously returns. Yeah. yeah and so. uh, your, your co-commentaries for TalkSport yes. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah which is a privilege to go and talk about games. Excellent. And watch them. I'll look out for you at the lane. I often look out for you on that fifth floor so I can say, look everybody, it's Perry Groves, the Arsenal player. I think it's the false nose and glasses, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Go on the cover. Uh, so yes, Andy and I back tomorrow. If you can join us from one great, if not, uh, we'll have a new podcast for you around four. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on TalkSport. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.